Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Thank you so much. Just a delight to be here. Lovely to see many people on a Sunday night and uh, many people to see from other churches. It's just a delight. I've been... watching just this area in this church in the last few days that we've been here, and I've been surprised of how few people actually originate from here. How many people have come into here? And uh, it's amazing what God does. You know, we, we see it in the natural and we think these things are happening, but it, so often it happens in the natural and then it happens in the spirit. And God's busy gathering people, and I I just felt just as you guys, as we were worshiping, just to declare that this will be a sending house. People have been sent to you, and the Bible says it's better to give than to receive. And so you'll be a giving house, and as you keep on doing that, let it be a conduit that many will be sent to you. And uh, our church is in the middle of the world, um, and we have all these people that come from all around, and so many arrive unsaved. So many arrived, no, no clue. Our Hindi service, we started a, a Hindi-speaking service several years ago. There was a, a company in the city who didn't pay its workers. And uh, so Dave Wallen, he had this one, we had this one Indian deacon who was a very zealous man, and we didn't know what to do with him. So he said, go into that camp and see what you can do. And he went into the camp, and he took them a bag of rice. And the next Friday, two or three of them came to church. And now, 12 years later, there's a service of 350 men and women, and uh, 80% of them were Hindu. 80% of them left their countries to come to Doha, to the land of milk and honey. And it's a little bit like what's happening here. People are coming to Cape Town, supposed to be the place of milk and honey. And then God grips their hearts. And now these church plants, literally out of that service, the poorest of the poor, service churches plant several around the world. I want to say that this church, I've got a sense in my heart, that's what will be happening. People will come. Some will be refugees. Some will come to seek their fame. Some will come to seek their fortune. But the God says, all I'm doing is seeking their hearts. And I'll be sending and commissioning. I feel like this is a launching, like an airport here. So there's, there's like, it's going to be like an airport. I just see strands and strands that will come from this church. Can I say life changes? Take off the ceilings. How can you have a church called Life Changes and be one stuck just in a takeoff? There's a takeoff that's going to be happening. Get ready. Prepare, equip, train, stir, resource. Because God says this is ascending us. I pray in Jesus' name. Yeah, we've been going through a couple of sessions on faith. Um, I, I didn't quite know there was a conference on faith. I thought we were just coming to Life Changes. And the next thing I got this little thing, woo, faith conference. I said, gee, we better prepare a message or two on faith. And uh, we got, so we were ambushed. And, uh, but it was lovely to be ambushed. And uh, so we, on Friday or Thursday night, was it Friday night, we spoke about the faith of nobodies. And uh, all these incredible people in the Bible you know, we always hear of the Abrahams and we hear of, of the Moses and the Noahs, but there's all these others. Well, who the heck were they? We don't even know their names. And yet mighty exploits were done through them. And I love that because it just makes it so real to you and I. And we sit there and we see the Tomos and the people who have walked before us and the Rorys and, and who, no matter who they are, we see these great men who've done mighty things for God and we think, geez, but that's them. And yet God then calls just the normal you and I into these stories as we started to look at Jesus. And we started looking at Romans 1.17, those who went here, from faith to faith. Because of Jesus' perfect faith that we can even start to begin to have faith. Because of the great exploits of the king that we can even begin to believe exploits for us. George Miller, the amazing man who started all those orphanages in, in England, I think it was him who said, Attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. I want to say in a season like this, 
Can we be a people again that will start to attempt great things for God and at the same time expect great things from God? Because what is faith? It is believing that He is able. It's believing that it is possible that God can do it still. He's done it before and we have this testimony of the word that He does it again and again. Yet, we sit there and we hear this time after time and we wonder, what could that be true? And so I, I, I just put something together uh, looking at some levels of faith. I look at some guys who had zero faith and perhaps some guys who had stronger faith and maybe to help us on our journey how we can progress from where we have zero faith to something of, of substantial faith. And would you turn with me to the book of Thessalonians? See, I'm an Afrikaner from wherever. One Thessalonians. There you go. The worst one is Deuteronomy, but certain Afrikaans is more like a Deuteronomy. It's a lot more difficult than Deuteronomy. Yeah, say it. Now you see, you're a proper Englishman, you see. One Thessalonians. Amazing, this church is said to be being planted in three weeks. Paul and his team of guys, they went there, they, they ministered for three weeks. We see it in Acts 17, from verse 1 to 9, you see the story of the Thessalonian church. And there's this, in three weeks, there's this establishment of a work. And then we hit this letter that Paul writes back to them. And, and it's an incredible letter. And, and from verse 7, it says, And so you became a model to all the believers of Macedonia and Achaia. And the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has become known everywhere. I mean, what type of a church is planted in three weeks, and then you write a letter back to them? Your faith has been known everywhere. This is substantial work. So God is not, he's not dependent on it's got to be necessarily years and years of work. In three weeks, he does something and establishes a start. There's these foundations laid that there's a significant thing that happens. But then Paul writes to them later in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, and he says, he says this thing, let me just see if I can get there. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you're standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. So on the one hand, it's this church whose faith is known everywhere. And on the other hand, Paul writes and says, I pray that we may supply what is lacking. And for me, it speaks of that we can all grow in our faith. For me, it speaks of no matter how long the journey's been, whether it's been three weeks or 30 years, there is a growth that God still wants to do in our faith. Abraham at the age of 99. An unbelievable story. The father of our faith. Month by month. Story by story. Sarah, are you pregnant yet? Sarah, remember the promise. Are you pregnant yet? No. And then there's a scripture that says, and he's strengthened in his faith. Being fully persuaded that God is able to do what he's promised. I mean, how do you get strengthened every time there's a failure? Fully persuaded that God is able. And so, so when we look at this, I, I want to start with this to say that I, my hope is that all of us tonight will just have an openness to our heart to realize, hey, I can still grow in my faith. So that's my prayer tonight. And Artie Kendall, he just starts at the foundation just to say this. He says, there is saving faith, and we're not talking about saving faith tonight. Saving faith is faith that comes to justify us before God. It comes when we believe the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus Christ who died for you, the transfer of our trust from ourselves onto him and what he did and achieved on the cross. And, and, and then this is what achieves salvation. It's not an achieving by us. It's achieved by him and believed by us. And it's received. And so it's not saving faith we want to speak tonight about, but we want to speak something about achieving faith. Faith where things are done for God, where there's things that are accomplished. And you've got to have saving faith first before you can have achieving faith. So if you're here tonight and you want to grow in your faith, I want to start by saying, do you have saving faith? Do you believe that Jesus has died for your sins? Do you believe that you need to trust somebody else for your salvation? 
I mean, Archie Kendall says it as plainly as this. If you had a doubt of that and you stood before Jesus, what would you say to him when he says, why should I let you into my heaven? What would be your answer? And when you can answer that, and the clarity of what Jesus has done for you comes to your heart and belief. And when you know why you're going to heaven, then saving faith starts to become yours. And from that basis, we start to then venture out on a journey of achieving faith. What would be your answer? Maybe we can come back to that later. But I want to say to you tonight, we cannot really move beyond this day if saving faith is not what you're sure of. What would be your answer? My family, my good works, my good looks, my education, what I've achieved. If your answer is not something like, because of the blood of Jesus for me, because of the death of Jesus for me, because of my belief in Jesus' death on the cross for me, if it's not something framed within that area, I want to say to you, you need to reconsider if you have saving faith. But achieving faith is, is where, where something is, a, is, is attempted for God. And sometimes it happens and sometimes we fail. In fact, mostly we fail. And failing is good for us because every time we fail, it seems like there's a new perseverance, a new stretching, a new depth to us that comes. Because it's not just a flippant thing. And sometimes it's challenging. Sometimes it's hectic. Sometimes it's real that you get faced by giants. I remember one day, he looked and I was praying for a lady. And uh, she had come out of the Baha'i faith. I don't know if you know the Baha'i faith, but it's a, it's a real mixture. It's a, there's Zoroism to it. It comes out of Iran. They mix Judaism. They mix something of the new age. It's this entire mixture. And there's all these things that they believe in. They, and she would cast her body, and she would get out of her spirit and fly to Canada to visit her, week, her sister overnight. And she'd be in Qatar, and she'd, be in, and she'd come back the next morning in her spirit. Wild! We're still here. Well, listen to this woman. What's going on? Wild, wild stuff. I started praying for her. <laughs> and I thought, you know, I started praying for her. And at one point, there's this voice that came. And I, I thought, God, what is this thing? Who is this? And there was this demon there. And the next thing I heard, how do you know my name? And so for a moment there, you get faced by this thing. And you're like, hey, I'm out of here. <laughs> and she can go to Canada. She can come after me. Sometimes it's not so much fun. And sometimes it's real. And sometimes it's scary. But it's good for us that we go through those challenges. Because God is equipping us, He's training us, He's helping us. But we need to remember this, that we have one thing on our side. We look unto the author and perfecter of our faith. Jesus, from faith to faith, His faith to ours. Our example is Jesus. He's our author. He's our captain. He's the leader. He's the completer. He's the consummator who perfected faith. Nothing really needs to be added to his faith. It's not Jesus plus works to get his faith. It's not Jesus plus tongues. And you know how much I love tongues to get to faith. It's not Jesus plus anything. It's not Jesus plus this. It is Jesus. And our eyes upon him, the author and perfecter of the faith, that even enables us to move on. Matthew 28, when Jesus rose from the dead, when he got to that place where, whereby the commission, the great commission of whom we love was given, he says, all authority has been given to me. And so when we look at him, we look at one who has all authority. And so suddenly we can face, how do you know my name? Because we have all authority over this one. And so we can face it and say, who the heck are you? Go back to Canada. The amazing thing, that woman got so delivered. Deliverance was incredible. She's one of the most trusted prophetic voices in our church. She now comes, and she will, she, she, uh, recently, on the stage, she said, did you see the angels? I said, what angels? She said, they were all round. And so she, she would come, and she would give it my word, and say, I see this and this. And we'd go, I wonder how the heck she knew that. Because it's so accurate. 
This is a woman who had in her. But because of the authority of Jesus Christ, deliverance came. Sometimes Christianity is a bit messy. It's not all Grafton Everest seats, cappuccinos, and lacquer air conditioning. And too much of the Western church has gone that way, and we've lost the commission of God. Where are we supposed to come and bring the authority of Christ into the lives of people? Author of our faith. We surrender and we believe. And our faith increases as we keep on surrendering and believe. Jesus said it. I mean, I love what Angus says. Everyone mocks him. doesn't matter. Jesus said it. I believe it. That settles it. What, what do we want to make it more complicated? Maybe we need to come from Natal to believe these things. Isn't it? Amen. There's a Natal boy. You can see it. What is Smith Wigglesworth? Apostle of the faith. Go and read some of his books. I'm reading one of the books, one of his prophetic words that he gave about the greatest revival that will come. And that greatest revival includes the city. You can read it. There's a, he prophesied over a man called David Duplessis, an Afrikaner, who led unbelievable things to happen. And when, after the Azusa Street revival and the, and, and the establishment of the Pentecostal movement, he then took this David Epicene, the prophetic word was so, that he took it from that into the church worldwide. This David Epicene, in the end, even ministered to the Pope at the time, a South African man. And he started to take this thing of Pentecost across the earth. And we wonder where the charismatic movement came from. So much of it came from there. Because he started to explain what Pentecost was to all these denominations who thought the Pentecostals were just lunatics. And so he took Pentecost broad and wide. And there was the rise of the charismatic movement. Amongst others, he was not the only one. I'm sure there was many. But Smith Wigglesworth, apostle of our faith, uneducated plumber and nobody. I mean, you must go and check out of him. But on the age of 48, and he was ministering for many, many years, but at the age of 48, something significant happens. He gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. 48 years old. And he says this, at one point he says, in one year ministering with the Holy Spirit was better than 48 years ministering without him. And so suddenly his transition comes. And then we hear the testimony of 20 people raised from the dead, as certified, 13 certified of Smith Wigglesworth. That's, that's crazy. How does it happen? I thought that stopped after Jesus raised Lazarus. Half the church of the world believes. Well, how do you explain that? Because all authority was taken by Jesus. And in his spirit. And who's his spirit? Jesus is seated at the right hand. The Father is on the throne. So who's the spirit with us? It's him that he pours out upon us. It's his spirit. And so the same authority is imparted to us as we believe. Now, how are we going to... I've had prophetic words that said, I'll raise the dead. And I haven't. But how will we ever raise the dead until we start praying for the dead? And let me tell you, it's horrible. They're dead to start with. I mean, they're not smiling. It's hectic. People are crying. I'm serious, it's not nice. But we have to be prepared to, oh, look at this guy, what is he doing? And we've got to be prepared to do those things. How will we ever move into the prophetic words if we don't make the changes? How will we ever move when Jesus says you will do greater things if we don't believe the greater things and start to do them? If we never respond into the things that will challenge us, how will we ever move into them? See, we can shy out and we can shy off and it's too much hassle and too much aina and people will be upset. And then the God will say, I, mean, I wonder what Jesus will say. He's not going to condemn us, but he'll say, he's like giving you opportunity after opportunity. Just take it. Take the gap. Not mind the gap. Take it. Too many of us are minding the gap left, right, and center. But watch what happens when you start to step out. Smith Wigglesworth believed God. I don't want to talk necessarily about him. But there's the one story where he went in and one of the people he raised from the dead. I mean... He hears this thing about go to such and such a house in the suburb. There's somebody that's died there. I mean, now you knock on the door. Hello, is there a corpse here? I mean, how does it work? 
It's ridiculous. But he does. And they say, yes, there's someone that's died. And the person had died for a few, for a few days. And he went in to pray for them. He said, can I pray for him? Now, it's already radical for people to receive someone in such a moment. And I, he wasn't a shy man. He says he was very unconventional. So he probably offended a few. But they allowed him to pray for the person. And he prayed. And he, he apparently at one point he had the person prayed and nothing happened. And at some another point he prayed a second time, had him up, lifted him up and said, now be alive and nothing happened. And so after two times you want to say, hey, get on your bike, China. What are you doing? But he perseveres. And the third time he lifts the man up and said, be alive, come alive in Jesus' name. And the guy comes to life. I mean, just radical, and these things seem ripples. But I, I, I want to ask myself, how do I respond? Because we have to start from a position and a status that is perfect forever, that Jesus Christ has all authority, that He has walked before us, and our faith is simply in Him who's perfected it. He's done it, therefore we can even enter in it. And so when we look at levels of faith, it's, it's quite radical. I want to just say, before we get into levels of faith, there are two scriptures that will bring us comfort. One is this one in Mark 9. It says this, Jesus asked in verse 21, he asked the boy's father, he says, how long has he been like this? From childhood, the father says, it has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus with a question mark, everything is possible for one who believes. And so you need to know that Jesus understands when we have faith that is lacking. Jesus understands when our faith is wavering. And he says, it's possible. So he wants to encourage us. He also, the other scripture, out of Luke 17 to his disciples, he says, the apostle says to the Lord, increase our faith. The father, by the way, said, Lord, help me overcome my unbelief. And then to the apostles, he says, increase our faith. And they say, if you have, he says, if you have faith, as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Amazing. I feel like God just wants to remind us. Hey, it's okay to get it wrong. I understand these things. My disciples were the same. And you know, they walked with me for three and a half years. He still had compassion for them. He said, don't worry. This is what it will be. Faith like a mustard seed. Seems like nothing. But as long as there's substance, because it's the substance of the things that we cannot see, the evidence of the things that have not yet established, that's what faith is. God wants to lift expectations of us tonight. This city needs people of faith. This region, this nation, this nation has had incredible prophetic words over it. I see it when I travel. You cannot believe the South Africans around the world that have made an impact for the kingdom. But why the heck has it stopped? It seems to have suddenly come to a halt. There was this waves of people that went all around the earth to plant. This nation has got rich inheritance in the saints. And it's not just the saints of here. It's all around to go and take the gospel. And everywhere we go, you just see South Africans and find South Africans involved in leadership. Incredible things that the nation has done. But it's not stopped. But it needs people of faith again to believe that God is able to send us to the corners of the earth. He's able to go and change cities and regions. We have a young man called Navraj. He was a Hindu. He came to our church. Hindu man. Ended up in trouble. Not because of his own doing. His boss didn't renew his visa. And so his sponsorship expired. And in those days, the company would take your passport. And so they'd hold it, which is actually legal, but that's what they did. And so he was overstaying his visa by three and a half years. Now you start getting a, Now he only earned meager salary. He was a laborer. And uh, after 30 days, you get a penalty of, 100, of 30 real a, a day. And, and after another month, you get 100 real a day. And then it starts to mount. And so he had an enormous debt against him. And so he came and he said, boys, what do we do? He said, right, first thing, go to the Nepal embassy, apply for a new passport, get the passport. Once you get the passport, go to jail. Go hand yourself to authorities. He said, let them deport you. It's the only way we're going to get out of this thing. Go and say sorry. And, and so he obeyed. So he was our first deacon in jail. 
as nice elders as this, go to jail. Yeah? See, sometimes it's tough. Sometimes you've got to face the tough things. Now, Raji goes to jail. He's in jail for two and a half weeks. They release him out because he's telling everybody about Jesus. They've got to have this guy in jail. So they send him out on bail. He stays with Dave and Kathy. So now Raji's out. He gets his new passport. Boom, deportation. Back to Nepal. Ah, oh, he's free. He says, what do I do now when I get to Nepal? Anyhow, we, we're wondering. Anyhow, he comes down to a meeting we have in New Delhi at, at a friend, Tony Johnson's church. He brings his wife and kids because they were still all Hindu. Because he came when they were, he, they were all Hindu and they'd never seen him for four years. So he brings him to the meetings at leadership time and the wife and kids all get saved at a leadership time. I love it. Because they were just being prepared. So they all get saved. And he says, now what do we do? He says, you just start something. He says, oh, you don't realize. There's revolution. The Maoists are fighting the government. Christianity is outlawed. What will I do? I said, no, Raji, just start a meeting. Starts in his house. He is ridiculed. They come and mock him. The teachers mock him. The police want to close him. The Hindu gurus come to threaten him. We will kill you. At one stage, it got so bad, he said, kill me, I'm already dead. This is what you don't realize. I'm already dead to this world. I said, what are you on about? You must be crazy. And they left him. <laughs> Two years ago, we went to Navaraj's church. We'd been there many times. Two years ago, we inaugurated his church building. There was 250, 220 people there. The head of the police was there. The head of the Communist Party was there. The head of all these people that ridiculed him were there. Because when he was faced with the worst of the worst, Navaraj stood up and said, I'm dead to this area. Now, a whole region has changed. Last week, we sent a team out of 22 people to the church to ordain more elders in that church. Last year, this was last week, last year they planted their first church out of that church. And we've got to ordain elders in that church. Because the king is way better than we can ever imagine. We shouldn't be too intimidated about all these giants that keep on popping. Because what do they do? They shout at you. And we cower. All authority in Jesus' name. I'm already dead to you. Go back to Canada. <laughs> so levels of faith. First level of faith, Luke 8, 13. And the one on the rock, and the ones on the rock, this is a seed, are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, they fall away. Perhaps you shouldn't say zero faith for this level. Perhaps you can just say it's temporary faith. It's like someone loves what you're preaching. He says, oh, there was a great word on forgiveness and uh, self-control. And then he goes out and the taxi cuts him off and oh, all the self-control goes out the window. And so the temporary faith that he had for that thing is wiped away instantly. It's a level of faith. And the church is filled with people with temporary faith. Oh, pastor, such a good word. You see the pastor's shirt today. I mean, he's like the horrible behind him. And, and so, there's shirt, sorry. <laughs> Temporary faith. It's that seed that gets rubbed away. And be encouraged, pastors, because Jesus encountered the same thing. So that's not to be stressed when that happens, but it is a level of faith, although it being temporary. There's a second level of faith. We see Matthew 6.30. Matthew 6.30, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, which will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Jesus speaking. Symptoms of someone with little faith are people who worry a lot. These guys are worried when they are not worrying, because they believe they should be worried about something and it causes them to worry all over again. <laughs> I, I know a few people like that. Just everything is a big worry. Hey, listen, you have nothing to worry about, but I'm worried about that I'm not worried about something. And so, so what happens is they, they just rob themselves of this level of faith. And so they're always concerned, they're always anxious. 
Jesus reminds us, and Paul writes in Romans 14, 23, he says, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So there's a level of faith that's needed for us to operate just normally. And so when we're constantly concerned and constantly anxious and constantly worried about tomorrow, there's a level of distrust of God. I mean, that's the bottom line. We're distrusting God. We're distrusting His goodness. We're distrusting His provision. We're always worried, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my job. And then we become self-fulfilling prophetic words. We walk into the destiny that we keep on believing. But what about the goodness of God? What about the promises of God? And what about when he says, Paul writes, he says, do not be anxious about anything, but by prayer and thanksgiving and supplication, present your requests unto God. I tell you, when you worry, start giving thanks. When you worry and constantly concerned, start thanking God for what you have. I had a lady come up to some while ago in church and she was in depression and complaining about this and that and came up and, and I, I, I wasn't very patient that day. And she's up there and she's moaning, moaning and I said, man, just start giving thanks. And she felt a little rebuke. But she started giving thanks. And then after a while I said, there was another person who came up and I said, man, why don't you come pray with me for this person? And then she came and prayed for me with, with this person. And then she saw another had far greater problems than she had. And then she had no more problems. <laughs> because you've got to just start to get to a simplicity of trusting God. And, 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 and facing problems, when they consume you, it destroys your faith. It is real, real a lack of faith. Little faith is the second level. Third one, weak faith. Romans 4.19. Abraham. He did not weaken in his faith when he considered his, own body, considered his own body, which is as good as dead since he was almost 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah. He, didn't con- he did not weaken in faith. He, he, he considered this every month, this whole thing. She keeps on being barren. She keeps on being fruitful. He cannot produce life. Yet every day and every month he's strengthened in his faith. He's not weakened by the circumstance. People with weak faith are often affected by the circumstance. So Peter started with great faith and he saw the waves and he he sank. Circumstances often take our faith away. We see the problem of what it is greater than the promise of what was given. But Abraham shows us that even the problem is so in his faith, he keeps on being reminded of the promise of God and his strength. Which is why he's the father of our faith. And that believing is credited righteousness to him. It's credited life to him. And he went on to do great exploits for God. That started with saving faith when he believed God. And it went from then to unbelievable achievements. Go and read in Genesis 23. When they speak to, I think it's Genesis 23. When they speak to his servant. And it says, and my master was blessed in every way. Can we say every way? What is excluded from every way? And it starts with the simplicity of believing God and it's day by day, step by step, as you face through these challenges and you start to grow. You're not weakened by the faith of your circumstances that are around you. I'm not making light of people's circumstances. James writes this in chapter 1, verse 6. It says, But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind, for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. James writes this, that testing of our faith produces steadfastness. Testing is good. It's not fun. But it is good. I, I, it was so easy for us. God was so kind to give us great leaders that we could follow. And in our context, a man called David Wallen, who is an apostle to us, and who planted the church that we lead, is someone with unbelievable steadfastness. I've seen him nearly lose his son, fall down two sto- four stories in Dubai, on the mountains, 14 hours later, only brought to uh, the hospital with fat embolisms and all these things, the femur broken and the fat embolism in the blood, the seizure in the brain, brain damage. I mean, incredible challenges, and yet leading the church. Remember, several years later, after all those challenges, we go off to Mongolia, 
mean, it's hectic. We're in Mongolia. The night before, so he preaches at this meeting, and Helet and him, after the meeting, pray for a lady who's deaf in her ear. As, no, blind, sorry, not deaf. Blind in her one eye. And, the, and in the prayer, they pray for her. The next morning she comes to the meeting, the blindness is healed. And that straight after she comes to give that testimony, we're there, that morning he has his heart attack. Incredible huge heart attack in Mongolia. I mean, radical. We go off to the, uh, to the hospital in Ulaanbaatar, the state hospital. They run out of oxygen. So we're now, he's, a, he's an Englishman, so he's pale already. But now he's very pale. So he's lying there, this pale Englishman with a blood red nose. He looks like Rudolph. And he's lying there, and there's no oxygen. I mean, it's just hectic. And now we're going, God, what do we do? Now we're trying to get a plane to evacuate him. But there's an earthquake in China, and all the planes are at the earthquake. So nothing can evacuate him. So all we can do is pray. There's no oxygen. There's no planes. In the midst of that, just the kindness of God sustains him. I mean, just, I can't go into the detail because it's too horrific. But three weeks later, after he's been evacuated after 40 hours, we get to the plane when we evacuate him. Eventually a plane arrives. He gets to the plane. The door's too small. He's got to get off his stretcher. And he's got to walk up these steps up the plane. And then we arrive two days later in Beijing where he's lying. And he's lying there with his red nose and a big smile because he's now got oxygen waiting for his operation. He comes back and he continues to lead the church. Two years ago, his wife, Kathy, Kathy contracted cancer. Hectic. The one thing after the other. But you know what's happened in the meantime? He used to be a ship's captain. He's no longer a captain. He's a general. He's grown through all of that as they faced and gone through those troubles, as they've gone through those challenges. There's a steadfastness that God's produced in them that is unbelievable. And for me, I say, thank you, Lord, that I can follow guys like that. Because they have truly faced a tough time. Let me tell you that sometimes Christianity is for free, but sometimes it will cost you everything. So don't despair when you're going through tough times. Rather say, God, what are you doing in me? What now are you doing in me and you're producing in me? And as best as possible, can I tell you that Jesus understands because he went through some tough times. He's not a savior who cannot be sympathetic to those who follow him. He understands. But the steadfastness that comes as we go through these times is unbelievable. I mean, you guys have led churches. There's several of them. I wonder if those guys leading churches can just stand. Tomo and Fiona, can you stand? Mark and, and Candy, can you stand? Lo, can you guys stand? Is there anybody else that leads a church here? I, I just want to, because I lead a church, so I understand what it's sometimes like. Sometimes you get buffeted from every side. Sometimes it's relentless. It's not just those who want to fly to Canada. It's many more normal things. And they're tougher. And it's people. And it's challenges of finances. And it's all sorts. Can I say thank you God today for steadfastness. Thank you God for perseverance. Thank you God. For what you've started, you'll complete. Thank you, Lord, for the inheritance and the saints. Thank you, Lord, for men and women of faith in this city. Thank you, Lord, for great exploits to come. Thank you, Lord, for great things and great trusting of God to supply these people with everything they need for the work ahead. Thank you, Jesus, that the enemy will not rob anything of church on main, on life changes, and but that one, nothing will be robbed. Jesus, would you come? Can, I, can, I, can you just raise your hands to these guys? We, just, we raise our hands to the king, but we, we just want to bless them. Father, would you bless them tonight? Would you bless them in this moment in time? And Father, where the enemies punched them in the solar plexus, I want to say thank you, Father, for perseverance and steadfastness and a tough skin that has come to each one. And for a strengthening now by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the strengthening of your promises. And the belief in your promises. Thank you for the call that is much bigger. Thank you for the eternal, eternal, eternal reward. Thank you, Jesus, for the significance of what they do. Bless them, Lord. Bless them, Lord. Let them not doubt, O Lord. Let them not grow tired, O Lord. 
that they'll never doubt. Father, cause them not to hear the voice and the shouts of the enemy. Like those Hindus who shouted in Navraj. Cause them to hear the promises of the Father. Cause them, Father, today. Just a sense in my heart, there's a new mantle he's giving you, Lord. There's a bigness he's giving you. The shoes that you're wearing are too small. He's increasing you. You and your wife. Get ready for what's ahead. Father, we break off. We break off doubt. We break off where the enemy shouted at them. We thank you, Jesus, for your promises to them. Thank you for the call that's irrevocable upon them. Bless them, Lord. Strengthen them, Lord. Bless them, Lord. Bless them, Lord. Can you, do a, can you do a bit of a crazy thing with me? Can you just stand quickly, all of you? Just stand. I feel like just something like the, the guys who are facing Jericho. We just need to raise a shout on behalf of these guys. We're going to lift up their hands today. We're just going to shout that in your father. He's not here, but we pray for Craig also. For his dad. What's your mom's name? Craig and Gabby. Let's raise a shout. I'm going to count to three. We're going to just raise and shout Jesus' name over these churches. We're just going to trust God for today for an impartation of power, of steadfastness, of courage, and of boldness. Can we do that? Can we participate? This is some serious stuff. This is not Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We lift up these men and women before you. We lift up these churches and your planting before you. And we raise a shout before you. And we say, Amen. Hands up. Jesus. 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 That's our Lord. Jesus, Lord. Jesus, Lord. Come on, Lord. Come on, let the enemy fly. Let the enemy fly. Let him fly, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And the enemy will scatter. And the mountains will crumble and the walls will come down. Jesus, have your way. Have your way of God. Thank you, Father. Right now, a significant thing happening. I've got two more points. <laughs> Sit. <laughs> Nearly done. <laughs> Strong faith. Romans 4.20 No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith and gave glory to God. Fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. Can you say fully persuaded? Fully persuaded that Jesus is your Lord. Fully persuaded that he's called you. Fully persuaded that he has a destiny for you. Fully persuaded that the promises are for you. Fully persuaded that he's good. Fully persuaded that he's mighty. Fully persuaded that he's glorious. Fully persuaded that Jesus is coming back. Fully persuaded that he builds the church. Fully persuaded that the enemy is a bang brook and will scatter. Jesus. What about great faith? Matthew 8 verse 5. And when he entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. Unbelievable. Only say the word. For I too am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed, truly I tell you with no one in Israel, I have found such great faith. I love it when the apostles shout this, Lord, increase our faith. Father, we see that there's levels of faith. Would you increase our faith? 
We know there's the gift of faith, which is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Gift of faith imparted. When someone falls down next to me, no point I start to prophesy over him or I start to discern what's happened. Now he needs a gift of faith. Get up and walk. Gift of faith given to us. We can ask God for this. He says all you need to do is eagerly desire. Eagerly desire. Father, I eagerly desire greater gift of faith. I eagerly desire greater gifts, Lord. All of those nine. Lord, would you impart them just as you determine for what I need for the situation? Faith in God, believing Him, growing in our faith, eagerly desiring. I prayed for a man not so long ago from Ghana, a wonderful friend in the church called Stephen. Stephen came to the prayer meeting and he said, Rob, please pray. I prayed with him and uh, I said, what's the problem? And Stephen's wife had HIV. And because he had HIV, she could not get a visa in the nation where we stay. Because they do full medicals. And then you got to go through. And she had HIV and they only discovered it when he was there and she was sent home. And he said, can I bring my wife before she goes home to pray? And you can pray with her. And we prayed with her and we anointed her with oil. And he sent her home. About a month later, he comes to me and he said, Rob, I have some news. And I said, what's happened? I said, did she get a visa? He said, no. He said, but something far greater has happened. Her HIV has disappeared. Now, honestly, how the heck do these things happen? I don't know. Can we not worry about too much about the whole thing, how these things happen? Can we rather trust that the mystery of God starts to unfold itself to those who believe in ways that we cannot imagine? Elect prayed for a man, for a lady. She went to Sri Lanka with a group of ladies. And they went to the church, some of the churches we work with. And uh, prayed for a woman who was demon-possessed, as you find when you go. And uh, prayed for this woman. And next to her was this crippled lady. And she prayed for the crippled lady first. And as she's praying for the crippled lady, the demon-possessed lady started possessed and jumping up and whatever. And so she couldn't complete the prayer for the lady that was healed. And, and so in this process was distracted and had to continue with the demon-possessed woman. And eventually, after a long time, I mean, my little daughter's there. She's 10 years old, Emma. And Emma couldn't spell so properly when she was 9 or 10. And she'd text me, Dad, pray. She's a Buddhist. Because she's a Buddhist. She's a Buddhist. Pray. Dad, she's falling. Dad, she's spitting. Buddhist. Dad, it's okay. She's free. Boom. All this commentary coming. I mean, it's wonderful. She's 10 years old. It did so much for her. And so the evening finishes and Lillette leaves the evening disappointed that she couldn't complete the prayer for the crippled woman. The woman had been crippled for 32 years or 30-something years. Next morning, they get up for breakfast and they get in their car, they're going to the next church and suddenly the man who leads the church says, oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you. You remember that crippled woman that you prayed for yesterday? She woke up this morning and her foot was entirely healed and she got up and she walked normally. Now, sometimes you don't have to see what God does to believe that he will do it. Sometimes you just need to pray and he will do it. Someone said to me at lunch today, how is it that someone got healed two days after you prayed for him? I don't know. Sometimes the gift of healing takes a day or two. Miracles is instant. He says, what's your theology? I said, go read 1 Corinthians 12, Jana. We want to complicate things so much. One of our elders came to me and he was caught up in the grace movement, the excessive grace movement here in South Africa before he was an elder. He was caught up in all sorts of nonsense, tossing to and fro. He came to our church. Da, 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 long story short, about a year later, I said to him, come start doing work for the church. Gifted man. And suddenly, just, you know when they just think it's easy, I said, come, I'm going to Sri Lanka on Friday. I gave him three days notice. I said, are you coming? And I thought, this will be a test. And he came back, he says, I'll come. And we went and we saw deaf healed. We saw people saved. We saw all sorts of incredible deliverances. And at the end of the trip, he said to me, I've realized I've spent all my time with theological arguments and nothing to do with the gospel. My friends, we can get caught up in all the mysteries of why I'm not healed and why sometimes I am. And it will stop us from doing anything and we'll never attempt great things from God and we'll never expect great things from God. Can't we just get on with the job? 
I see men with great faith getting on with the job. I can tell you many examples of that, but I won't. Because my wife has told me my time is up. I think the first thing is we can acknowledge we can grow in our faith. If you want to grow in your faith tonight, just where you are, just raise your hand. Father, we all do. My hand's up first. Father, what will you do with the people who say we will believe you again? What will we do with the people who say, God, would you grow me? Sometimes we have temporary faith. Sometimes we have weak faith. Father, would you cause strong faith? Would you cause great faith to start to be erupting upon your church again? What will the church in the end look like, Lord? When you return, will you say, will I find faith on the earth? Jesus, may it be said of these churches and these people that we will be people of faith, trusting God day by day, even though we don't always understand, because we believe that you are good. God, help us through the disappointments. Help us through those soloplex moments when we get smacked. When perseverance is what you're building and helping us through, when we get buffeted by the waves. Help us to keep on stepping out like Peter did in the midst of the storm. Calm us, O oh God, as he led prayed last night. Calm us, O oh Lord, in those moments of storms. But increase our faith. Father, like the disciples, we say, increase our faith. And Father, we pray that there will be incredible testimonies in the days ahead of great, great exploits for this mighty King. And I want to say this quickly first. Father, in this process... We want to remain a humble people. And everything we always do is because of your glory, it's because of your fame, and it's because of the power in your name. So help us, Father, never get ahead of ourselves in this process. When someone is healed to say, well, here the man of the power hour has arrived, the man of God, Lord, cut that off from us. Let it not be part of our thinking. Thank you, Jesus, that it's all because of your faith, the perfect faith, from faith to faith. And lastly, Father, we surrender our lives to you tonight. We say, have your way amongst us. Father, today we do not see the giants, but we see the giant king. We do not see those who threaten. We do not see those who shout. But we see him who is glorified forever and ever. Jesus, we worship you. We honor you. And we thank you tonight for your gift. God bless you all. Amen.